And I'm going to uncover a lot of these today. And what I'd like to do as we talk about our freedom, because as I'm looking around here, we've got a, 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 a group of people that you've been around the church for a while, and a lot of us. And so we've grown up hearing things like, I'm free in the Lord, and he has set me free from sin, and all that is good. What I don't want that to become is something that's a bit of a cliche to each and, all, each and every one of us. I, I want this to really mean something here today. And so as we look at the subject of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, I would like for us to look at three really important truths when it comes to our freedom, our independence from sin. And I think this will bless you here today. Number one, uh, I would like for us to look at the expense of my freedom. The expense of my freedom I don't know how many of you have ever been to Arlington National Cemetery. How many of you have ever been there before? Can I see your hands? Okay. Just a boy. Uh, if you could ever get out there, it is a moving, powerful place in our nation's history. Especially uh, the incredibly huge statue of the, the soldiers at Iwo Jima. Uh, just amazing. In fact, those soldiers are actually buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, you don't have to be there very long to walk through that incredibly large cemetery and all of those white stones to realize the incredible price, the expense that has been paid for the freedom now that we enjoy here in our country. Uh, Spiritually, I will tell you that you need to look no further to discover the expense and the price for our spiritual freedom than the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me show you from the book of Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Here's what the author of Hebrews said. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil, and free those to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to make like to be made like them fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus has made atonement for the sins of all of us. Jesus paid a debt that we could not pay. You've heard me say this before. For us to try to pay literally pay for our own sins on our own. That is bankruptcy. That is a debt that we just cannot get a handle on. There is nothing we can do. In fact, the Bible says that our righteousness is just like filthy rags compared to the, to the grace and the surpassing mercy of Jesus Christ. And we look at the expense that was given for us to be free. And we look no further than John chapter 19, verses 28 and 30. That scene right where he is hanging on the cross. 
and uh, verse 28 says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so he soaked. A, so they spoke. To, uh, uh, they soaked a sponge. That's hard for me to say. They soaked a sponge in it, but the sponge put the sponge on a stalk on the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, "It is finished." And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Forgive me if you've heard this before. In fact, you've probably heard this many times from me. But the literal word that we translate in English, it is finished, is that word tetelestai. Tetelestai. Tetelestai is a business term that would be used and stamped on an invoice once a debt was paid in full. In other words, if you had a bill that you owed to a debtor, once you finally paid off that debt, literally they would put the term tetelestai on that bill to show that nothing else was owed. The payment sufficed. Everything was paid for. So literally, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, he literally said, the debt has been paid in full. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sins away. Some of you don't know that's an old hymn. Jesus paid the expense, the price, the debt of my freedom today. There's always a price for freedom. Always. And for our spiritual freedom you are not free because of your charisma. You are not free because of your dazzling personality. You are not free because of your church attendance. You are free because of the grace and the mercy and the cross of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Secondly today, I not only want to uncover the expense of my freedom, but I'd like to take a look at the extent of my freedom. Not just the expense of my freedom, but I'd also like to take a look at the extent of my freedom. How far does my freedom go? Is Jesus' death on the cross merely a get-out-of-hell-free card? Or is there more to it than that? Is there more to this freedom that I have in Jesus Christ that, that I recognize that Finding freedom is not just escaping hell, but it is more than that. Why don't you check out John chapter 8 with me? Jesus is having this dialogue with people who had actually converted from Judaism and began following him as the Messiah. And it starts in verse 32, our passage here. It says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me pause here, by the way. What our society, what our culture desperately needs is the truth. And the truth is found nowhere else than in the Word of God. I'll say it again. The truth is found nowhere else but in the Word of God. When we have no absolute 
truth, then there is no absolute freedom. When we have no moral compass, when we have no absolute truth, if we doubt that this is the way that we should guide our lives, and this is how we navigate our decisions, and this is how we go through life, if we think that there's some other factor that dictates what direction we should go, then you've got to understand you don't have true freedom, because the only truth is Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. To have no truth means you have no freedom. But let's continue. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. See, I'm not just free, I'm free indeed. There's a completeness to my freedom that I enjoy as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just Okay, I'm pretty sure I know where I'm going once I die. That's not why Jesus went to the cross. That's only a part of it. But there's so much more to the freedom that we enjoy in Christ when he says, you will be free indeed. You see, I am freed, number one, from the penalty of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Let me pause. I did not say that we're always free from the consequences of our sin. Because sometimes there are consequences to our disobedience. Okay, if you're going to sleep around, eventually there's going to be some consequences to that. And again, truth, truth. If we would just do things God's way, if we would just do it the way that God says to do it, we, we, we would we would save ourselves so much trouble. But, but the consequences come in when we veer off of God's direction and the truth and what he has for us in his word. But the scripture is pretty clear. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Sin separates. God is a holy God. And in his presence can be no sin. Sin creates a barrier, a separation between us and God. And when sin enters into the picture, then we become distant from him. In fact, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. It's death. But then Jesus offers a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus saw a sin-sick world that could not save itself. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. So that's why we read that scripture in, in Hebrews. Jesus became fully human. He became like 
us. He felt what we felt. He was tempted in every way, just like we are. Wrap your mind around that, by the way. Every way that we are tempted, Jesus was tempted, yet was without sin. Jesus came and he lived a life, a pure life, a clean life, so that when he was brought to the cross, he was not a flawed sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And our sins were brought upon him and he took the price on the cross that I should have paid and he paid that penalty so that I can escape spiritual death. And the freedom that I do have, yes, thank you, Jesus, I am free from the penalty of my sin because of his great love for me. Can you say praise the Lord for that today? So I am free from the penalty of my sin. But may I also say today that you are also free from the shame of your sin. And we as Christians, we usually don't doubt that we're free from the penalty of our sin. In fact, we're pretty happy about that. But if there's anything that we hang on to, it's the shame that comes with our mistakes. The shame that comes with mistakes that, quite frankly, we have already asked Jesus to forgive us for. Or are you hearing me today? See, sometimes we hang on to the shame and the residue of the mistakes and the sins and the disobedience that we've made that Jesus has already covered with his blood. I remember one time my wife and I had a weekend away and we decided that uh, it had a fireplace. I love fireplaces. And we decided, hey, let, let's, let's light a fire. So we did. And we're just kind of enjoying the evening. Uh, it was nice. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, boy, it smells smoky in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't open the flue, okay? That, that, that's the airway that the smoke is supposed to go, right? Uh, instead, it flowed all through the living room that we had rented uh, for <laughs> for that weekend. Not 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 good. Not good. And we put the fire out, okay. But because of the smoke, there was still a smoky residue that was in parts of the house, especially close to the fire. And we had to work at trying to clean that up. So, so we wouldn't get charged extra. <laughs> well, how many of you know, how many of you know that there's often a residue to our sin? It's guilt. It's shame. And oftentimes, if, if someone else is not throwing that at us, then maybe we're throwing it at, at ourselves. And we think that we have to kind of scrub and work hard to get rid of that residue. But you've got to understand that Jesus has taken care of the residue. When, When he washes our sins away, he also washes away the shame that's accompanied with our mistakes. And he wipes away the guilt that comes with those mistakes. So Stop, uh, in the name of Jesus, stop harboring guilt for the mistakes that you have already placed in Jesus' hands today. Don't let that happen. In fact, I don't want to be too strong, but listen to me. Do we actually think that our sin is greater than the blood of Jesus? And that's, in effect, what we're saying. 
we're saying, my sin's too big to enjoy the freedom that I expect everyone else to have. You know where that lie comes from? That lie comes from the enemy. Jesus said that he's the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That's all the enemy does. That's why Jesus said, you got to know the truth because the truth will set you free. <laughs> Romans ten eleven. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. God is not in the shame business. God is not in the shame business. Romans 8, 1, great verse. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I do know this, that the enemy will try hard to remind us of sins that we've already asked Jesus to forgive us for. But when Jesus forgives those sins, he forgets those sins and he separates those sins from us forever. There's an old saying, maybe it's not new to you, but the saying goes like this, when the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. I'll say it again. When the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind the enemy of his future. All he's trying to do is take you with him. Then lastly today, we've seen the expense of my freedom and we've seen the extent of my freedom. But where do we go from here? Let me show you the expression of my freedom. You've been set free. Awesome. Now what? Now what takes place? You see, here's the thing. If, if I am set free, if I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and, and, and this is where we're going to apply what we're learning here. So I just don't want to give you a teaching on, on freedom. I want you to know how you can flesh this out, what the scripture says about your freedom. Okay, what do I do with this? Do, do, I, do I just kind of stop at a holding pattern and wait to die? Ooh, I'm saved. I better not do anything. I'll just sit here and die. No. With freedom comes life in Jesus Christ. So how do we live that life? Now, here's how we don't do it. Okay? We don't, use, we don't use the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ as a sin license. Oh, now I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven. Wrong. The Bible tells us that without holiness, no one will see God. So there's an... Ex- I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's not slap Jesus in the face while he's hanging on the cross and cheapen the grace of Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, I'm a little tired of seeing Christians try to flaunt their sin and act like that everything is okay between them and God. And they will be as bold to even post it on social media and say, well, this is what I do and this is how I act and this is what's going on and oh, I just love Jesus. Honey, choose one. Choose one. So you either choose, no, I won't say that. Yeah, I will. You either choose, you either choose Jesus or your live-in boyfriend. You either choose Jesus or your, your sinful activity. You either choose Jesus or everything that goes contrary to what Jesus says. I think Jesus wants us to live holy and acceptable lives before him. Can we say amen? 
Hope that wasn't too old school for you. So what do I pursue? If I'm free in Jesus Christ, what do I pursue? Number one, good works. Good works. I do things. I do things to bring glory to the kingdom of God. That's what I do. Now, here's the deal. There are some faith systems, there are some church systems out there that are contrary to what we're about to read. Because there are some people that say, as long as your good works outweigh your bad works, then you're okay with God. Okay, good works do not bring about salvation. Good works do not bring about freedom. Freedom brings about good works. Salvation brings about good works. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Now look at verse 10. Look at verse, a lot of people like to skip over verse 10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Stop there. Do you see that? We have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I can't do nothing for the kingdom of God. There's nothing I can offer. That's not what this scripture says. That's not what this scripture says. We're God's handiwork. He's created us to do good works for him. That's God's plan for us. So if I'm going to call myself free in Jesus Christ, then I will be deliberate about doing good things that bring glory to God. Not as a requirement for my salvation, but actually a fruit of my salvation. Secondly, I should pursue not only good works, I should also pursue a love for other people. I love God, I just don't like His people. Have you ever heard that? I've heard pastors say that. And that, uh, that doesn't belong. <laughs> and, and, and look, look, okay? I know people can get uh, ugly sometimes. Uh, I know that the church doesn't always do real well, capital C, uh, representing itself. But can I just give you some a piece of advice before I go further on this. Everybody has a story. Everybody. And if the server, the next time you go out to eat, is rude to you, okay, chances are it's not because they're a snob or a jerk. But I'd be willing to guess that there's a story there. Somebody hurt them. They're upset. Their life has gotten messy. And sometimes that fleshes out on easy targets. Christians, family, friends. It happens. I think we need to remember that when we interact with people, boy, she's in a bad mood. What a jerk. Well, you know what? Maybe she just got some really bad news from home. 
Maybe they're going through something that you don't know about. And if you did, you would handle that person with so much grace. I've learned to do that in my life. I try not to wear my feelings on my sleeve. But uh, sometimes because life gets messy, if I'm not careful, I'll take that out on Jonathan or, or Annette. I, I don't hit them or anything. My, my wife could beat me up, so I don't even dare. I'm kidding. She's never beaten me. Well, but but it might be my snotty attitude, you know? Maybe somebody treated me bad, and so, well, so I'm a jerk. And then I got to catch myself. It's like, you know what? On the other side, I got to be careful here. And my wife is so discerning. (laughs) She's so discerning that oftentimes when I am dealing with people that have been less than pleasant to me, she's so good at reminding me, you know, honey, he's probably going through something right now. She's probably going through something right now. And then God just clicks and says, yeah, you know what? If I'm free in Jesus Christ, I still have to have a consistent love for other people. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For their entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That comes with freedom. That comes with freedom. Well, I don't love a certain segment of people. Then I, I'm nervous about how free you really are. Because when I have been set free, then that translates into a love for other people, regardless of who they are, what their mistakes are. I love them. And then finally, I touched on this just a little bit ago, we also pursue a holy life. We make decisions that bring glory to God. Our lifestyle lines up with the Word of God. Romans chapter 6. This is where I was going to preach from today. I just made it my last point. Um, And I apologize if it's a little small. You've been set free from sin and you've become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And that result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There, there's, there's a change in my appetite when I've been freed. You ever have a food that you used to love and now not so much? I used to love real spicy food. You know, hot, spicy. It's like, yeah, bring it on. 
Now, I look at a bottle of Tabasco sauce, I'm like huddled in the fetal position in the store, sucking my thumb. It's like, no, no, no. When, when, when we used to have an appetite or a taste for the things that were sinful, Jesus set us free, not only from that sin, but I believe he changes our appetite. <laughs> and then those things that were sinful are no longer appetizing to me. Rather, what's appetizing to me is the things of God. And so those things that were bringing me death and misery and trouble, I, I don't want that anymore. And sure, the enemy will try to dress it up and try to change it a little bit, but in all honesty, there's nothing new under the sun. But overwhelmingly, Lord, I want to pursue a holy life where I have an appetite for the things of God. And that's what I pursue. It is for freedom that you have been set free. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Can you thank the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, can you help me as we close here today? You may have noticed when you came in, we had some signs at the back of the sanctuary, uh, that we have a little piece of communion elements for you today. Uh, and again, if you're, if you're sitting on them, maybe find another one. Um, just a piece of advice. And uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to partake. That drove my camera operators crazy what I did just there. But uh, we're, we're going to participate in communion. And I thought that this would be a great response to our freedom that we experience in Jesus Christ. I'm free. I'm free indeed. And now because of that freedom from sin, I, I can pursue doing good works. And, and maybe God wants to deal with you as we take this time to be more deliberate about doing good works, about loving other people. Maybe there's some people in your life that are difficult for you to love. And to be honest with you, we all have those. So maybe God wants to speak to us today and say, let's deal with that. Or maybe your appetite hasn't quite been switched from the stuff that was bad for you to the stuff that is good for you, spiritually. So maybe your prayer today is this, as we come to the table of the Lord, if you will. Lord, would you change my appetite? Change my appetite. God, take away the desire that I once had for things that were wrong and sinful. And God, switch that now to an appetite for the things that please you and give you glory. Before we take the elements together, can I just give you just a few moments? Why don't we bow our heads, if you will? And if any of those prayers you need to pray to the Lord, would you pray those now? Lord, help me to be deliberate 
about doing good works. Not just doing stuff for me, but stuff that blesses other people. And God, speaking of other people, Lord, there's a difficult person in my life or there are difficult people in my life. Help me, God, to... Help me, God, to love them. Help me to love them. Jesus, the allure of temptation is real. And God, I pray that you, since you've given me this freedom, that you would increase my appetite for the things of you. And God, that you would take away any desire or taste of the things that go against your word. So Jesus, hear our prayers today. Hear our prayers. Hallelujah. Hear the prayers of your people. Hear the prayers of your people. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you. The Apostle Paul said in one of his letters to the Corinthian church, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, gave thanks for it, he handed it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, you do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together and celebrate the broken body of Jesus. Scripture says that afterwards, Jesus took the cup. And he said that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it, you do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. For as often as we eat the bread and as we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you take some moments just between you and God and thank him for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you have freed us from the penalty of our sin. We have an everlasting home that awaits us. Lord, you freed us from the residue and the guilt and the shame of our sin where if it is forgiven, you wipe away the residue as well. And Lord, I pray that we would not just be freed from our sin, but God, we would be freed from the shame, from the guilt that might hound us, maybe some of us daily, set us free from that. And God, I ask you that we would pursue good works that we would pursue loving others, and God, that we would pursue a holy life that pleases you.
And God will never be perfect. And God, when we fail, we can confess our sins to you and you will cleanse us from every act of unrighteousness, every sin. You'll wipe it all away. So Lord, walk with us daily as we walk in our freedom (laughs) that we have in you. Will you stand with me, church? Hallelujah. I want to give you an opportunity, uh, if you want to, to spend some time, just you and him, talking to him, thanking him for your freedom. Maybe he's challenged you specifically in a way, and you need to pray that out a little bit more. Do so before you leave here today. But when I pray, if God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. I pray that you enjoy this holiday. Enjoy this time with your family. Jesus, thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. And God, I ask you that you would help us to walk as free people, independent from and of our sin. And Jesus, every step we walk, every hour we live, show us just how free we are in you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.